Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Happy holidays, you filthy animals. It's episode number 11 of the Hockey News on the Q podcast brought to you by BetMGM. My name's Will McLaren. His name's Jamie Tozer. And we've got a lot to go through uh, over the next little while, Jamie. Uh, the games are no longer being played uh, thanks to the holiday break, mm-hmm. but there's still plenty of hockey going on. The World Juniors are right around the corner, and there's plenty of news from within and without the league. But before we go too deep into that, uh, it's not very often, Jamie, we can say that you were able to, in your hometown, watch some of the best junior hockey players in the world. Considering your hometown is St. Stephen, New Brunswick, you get to take in uh, the multi-day training camp for Team Canada. Tell us a little bit about that experience, uh, some of the things you saw, and what impressed you the most. Yeah, well, definitely, uh, obviously, unique experience to be that close to Team Canada and their practices. Um, they, I know a lot of people were asking where they were staying, and they were not staying in St. Stephen. They were in the uh, little place called the Algonquin in St. Andrews. Uh, not a sponsor, but they're welcome to sponsor this show. Um, spot. <laughs> yes uh yeah really cool lot neat to see a lot of people uh from around town who i know able to get out who have never really experienced the world juniors uh in person be able to get out and see them and what a year to have the world juniors in your own backyard such a a talented roster i know gord miller mentioned on twitter perhaps one of the best top six in canadian world junior history ahead to this tournament so uh really cool to to see them in saint stephen and around Southern New Brunswick. Um, yeah, just but the on-ice product, just so fast, so skilled, just, you know, the typical stuff you hear. Um, but boy, Connor Bedard, you know, he's he's extremely talented, but you can really tell when you're in a smaller rink that he's not the biggest guy. So he's, uh, he's obviously making up for his size in other ways. And the thing, you know, the, the uh, prototypical comment on the WHL has always been, you know, bigger, you know, yeah. larger size guys, you know, it, it stands to reason that, you know, maybe he doesn't have as much room out there on the ice surface as he might in one of the other two junior leagues, but uh, he doesn't need a lot of space. And you know, we even saw it. Uh, we're recording for everybody's information on a Tuesday night, uh, last night, the exhibition game in Moncton, where he simply made that perfect uh, behind the back pass behind the net to Shane Wright for one of the uh, team good. Canada goals. Like it's just, you know, creating things out of, uh, at a thin air basically. And yeah. uh, you know, great for people in, in the community to, to see that for sure. And something, you know, you know, hopefully team Canada, you know, takes this as a, as a bit of a lesson. I know sometimes, you know, the, the outlier events do go to some of the smaller areas, but this really, they, they really have embraced the Maritimes um, in, in the course of, uh, the lead up to this event, which is, you know, it, it, you know, all the credit to uh, the organizers to uh, make this a reality and, and allow some people to uh, see a few players and a few things that ordinarily they never could see in their own backyard. Yeah, and you got to give the people who put that together credit because, um, you know, it's, it's way easier to just have all these games at Avenir and Scotiabank um, and Halifax and Moncton. So um, not an easy feat to have those in in quote-unquote foreign rinks um 
So it's uh, really cool and uh, looking forward to the other uh, pre-tournament games before the things get started. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And of course, it all gets underway on Boxing Day in Halifax and Moncton gold medal game coming up on January the 5th. So that is the look at the international stage, but there is a lot to talk about in the queue. And, you know, Jamie, this time of year, the trade period is open. World Juniors, obviously, as we discussed, there's a lot of news without any games being played. But there's one thing that has trumped all of that. It came out uh, officially late last week, and that is uh, Gilles Corteau, the commissioner of the QMJHL, is set to retire. It's a gradual process that's going to take place over the next year and a half or thereabouts. But, um, you know, quite quite frankly, you know, Jamie, there's it's very hard for anybody, I know myself and yourself included, to imagine this league without Gilles Courteau involved in it. Um, I mean, not only has he been the president for, you know, over or almost 40 years, I think it'd be, by the end of his reign, it'll be about 37 um, he's been in the league for 47 years in one capacity or another. And, uh, you know, we kind of knew that this was going to happen sooner rather than later, just simply because of, of uh, you know, the, the amount of time that's gone on. But uh, hearing that news, uh, Jamie, what are some of your uh, first thoughts uh, uh, in relation to it? Yeah, well, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, it's going to be weird not having him around. He's been such a, a fixture in the league and, um, you know, the Quebec media refers to the queue as the Corto circuit. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, this guy has been truly the face of this league for almost forever. Um, so it's going to be a huge transition. I think, um, I think they're doing the right thing though. I kind of bringing in the new person to work under him and kind of make that transition a little smoother. Cause I think it's going to be a pretty, um, significant change for, um, the league and everyone who follows it. Um, but I think, you know, looking ahead, I think we're all looking forward to seeing what the new person does and what sort of changes, um, they do to the league, if any, um, uh, but I would assume there's probably going to be, um, some gradual changes at least. Yeah, I, I think that's safe to say, um, you know, to expand on, on what you've already, uh, uh alluded to there, Jamie, uh, the new commissioner is going to be named in May of 2023. Um, Gilles Corto will remain with the league for the first half of the 23-24 season, and then it'll be the full transition to the new commissioner, whoever he or she may be, uh, for the latter half of that season. Uh, as well, the President Cup, uh, which has uh, carried that name for the uh, league playoff champions since the inception of the league, will be renamed the Gilles Corto Trophy. Um, very, uh, very fitting, I think, for uh, somebody who's dedicated that much time. Um, but, you know, we talk about time and we talk about legacies and uh, what uh, people will remember the most uh, for a guy who has been synonymous with this league. And, Jamie, if you were to... Uh, yeah, if you were to put your finger on it, what do you think are going to be some of the more lasting legacies, good, bad, or otherwise, really, in Jill Corto's reign as president? Well, I definitely think, at least in our, our part of the region, it's definitely going to be the expansion in the Maritimes has been a, a significant boom for the league um, in terms of popularity, in terms of, I'm sure, revenue, in terms of just honestly everything, um, just a huge growth spurt for the league. Um, and they moved into Newfoundland that obviously didn't work out. They moved in the U S too. That didn't work out, but at least they, you know, made the attempts. Maybe they'll go down there again. Um, I look even the more recent history, lots of successful Memorial cups hosted here. 
Um, lots of Memorial Cup champions coming out of here, especially over the past decade or so. Um, I definitely think when Corto kind of does his exits, um, I'm sure he's going to mention the COVID season. I'm sure that's going to be uh, one of his greatest accomplishments, being the only junior league to award a trophy. Um, but, you know, I think there's some things that we're not really sure about how he's going to look down the road. I think uh, the minimum wage lawsuit from a few years ago, I'm curious to see what that looks like in the future. Um, and then obviously the more recent stuff with the Hockey Canada sexual assault allegations. And I mean, that's part of, uh, of Corto and, and the Q and, um, and their problems right now as well. So I, I feel like we're, there's a lot of positives and negatives right now, but I'm curious to see even a few years or maybe even a decade down the road, what we, what we look back on and, and see as his legacy. Yeah. You know, um, you know, to, to expand on that, uh, one of the things that comes to mind uh, and this, this kind of, um, sums it up in in another way for Gilles Gorteau's uh, time in the league. Uh, I look back, I remember in the late 90s, um, this back. league had a team way back here, Will. way back, way back when, yeah, I know, I know, that's right. Let me get my copy of Big Shiny <laughs> Tunes here off the shelf and we'll, we'll rhapsodize about the good old days. Um, but once upon a time, there's a team in Beauport, Quebec. Beauport's a suburb of Quebec City. And that team was in the league for six or seven years. They lit- they played out of, if you were to look at it from the outside, you would think it was literally a barn. Um, awesome. and, in- and inside, it was, it was, it was um, cozy. Let's, let's put it that way. Cozy. You and 1,500 of your closest friends not really sitting in assigned seats. And that's the kind of franchise that could survive in the queue at that time. That team was sold. For I believe it was about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to a consortium that involved the Tangay family and a guy named Patrick Waugh, and they moved down the road to Quebec. And within three years of that, they moved into the now uh, defunct Quebec Calisay, and they're the Quebec Ramparts. And I'm sure that if uh, Patrick Waugh and his group wanted to put that team up for sale now, they're getting eight figures for it easily. And if you want an expansion franchise in this league, you're paying, you know probably five, six million dollars to to do so. And if that doesn't say anything about the feasibility or the viability of the league itself, then I don't know what does. And Jill Corto played a huge part in that. You know, he he made sure that the necessary steps were made, whether it's expansion into the Maritimes, being uh, very cautious on vetting uh, what, um, ownership groups could come in and out of the league, just things that basically made the league um, a lot more respectable off the ice. And we're going on a ten-year span here. No franchise has moved. Um, you know that can that's always subject to change down the road. I understand, but uh, there's a there's a, a greater degree of stability than there ever was. And, you know, you mentioned uh, some of the things that have happened in recent years. You know, the scandals, the uh, the things that the Quebec League are tied up with either directly or indirectly. And it certainly feels kind of reactionary. And I sincerely hope that uh, the people who are in charge of of bringing in a new president um, are mindful of that, that they're, they're aware of, of uh, how hockey culture is should be trying to improve. And that should be always in the forefront of their mind, not saying that it's not in the forefront of Gilles Courteau's mind uh, 
now especially. But yeah, it would be it would just be great to see, you know, from a, maybe a moralistic or an inclusionary standpoint, um, a very savvy choice being made uh, when the new uh, commissioner is finally uh, picked. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about hockey culture. Another thing, you know, related to that is um, fighting and Corto mm-hmm. and the Q are really on the on the forefront of reducing or significantly reducing uh, fighting in junior hockey as well. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, they, they got a little push there from the Quebec government uh, back uh, about 15 years <laughs> yes. ago, but they also heeded to it. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people were not happy with it. And, you know, if that's your thing, that's your thing. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, the league, from that standpoint, it, it does make it more appealing for families who have kids who want to take part in the league. It, it certainly has changed the entire um, uh, perspective and, and the entire makeup of the league. Um, and for the better, uh, by and large, you know, you talk about inclusion. Well, you're actually include you're allowing yourself to include more skilled players in the game. Yep. And that's never a bad thing. Yep. So there's one guy on his way out, but there's a lot more guys that are simply on their way to new teams. The trade period opened with the conclusion of games on Saturday. As I mentioned, the queue's on break now till October. Uh, till October. Well, that's a heck of a break, isn't it? Till December the 28th. <laughs> and since then, we have seen a number of key deals, especially in the first couple days of the uh, trade period. Uh, Jamie, anything that you have seen that has particularly piqued your interest? Maybe a few surprises there. Well, there's, I think there's a few of the big ones that we all kind of knew about. I don't think there's any real been, you know, jaw dropping, draw, jaw dropping surprises. That was hard to say. Uh, so far. Uh, hey, it's not just me. Great. <laughs> but I think, you know, one of the more unexpected ones I think was, uh, the La Pena deal, Francesco, Francesco La Pena, uh, being mm-hmm. traded to Gatineau. I just, the only reason that deal was really surprising because I don't think Gatineau was kind of the team. A lot of us thought La Pena was going to go to. So I think that was a little, little unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. The other deal that I found interesting, one that we didn't talk before the show, Will, um, this Baycomo Drummondville trade where they swapped overagers. Um, bit of an interesting deal. Two teams who aren't really going anywhere right now. Um, trading two of their best players, Charles Anton Dumont, who's the captain of Drummondville, being traded to Baycomo uh, for Xavier Fortin, who's one of the Dracar's top players. So an interesting deal there for uh, for two teams that are kind of in the bottom of the standings. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Bakemo, they're building things up. There's a lot of good young guys uh, in in the program, and that team will be more of a force to be reckoned with probably in the next you know two to three years, you would figure. Uh, the Drummondville side of things, you know, it's, it, I'm glad you brought it up, Jamie, because Charles Antoine Dumas, as you mentioned, is the captain, but we've already seen some changes taking place in Drummondville mm-hmm. already. You know, obviously the coaching change and with that yeah. Eric, uh, um, with um, Steve Hartley gone, thank you, <laughs> and Eric Belanger taking over the Rangers, uh, the Rangers head coach. Um, you know, I'm not saying one has anything to do with the other. Obviously, that would be uh, a little rampant speculation. I, you know, I, I don't know one way or the other. But you know, when when you see a move like that, that's probably the next thing your mind turns to for sure. There's a change in philosophy behind the bench at the very least. We know that, and 
but um, does one have anything to do with the other? Um, I guess uh, I guess we we don't know for sure sitting here right now, but it certainly is a connect the dot sort of situation. Um, you know, a couple of the other bigger ones, uh, James Swan going from Halifax to Blaineville, that actually uh, closes off the Josh Lawrence trade. The overager came to Halifax uh, back in November, um, and Blaineville gets a um, gets Swan for a fourth round pick going the other way. Um, Mark Andre Gadet from from Shikudmi signs a deal with the St. Louis Blues virtually one day, and the next day he's traded to the Sherbrooke Phoenix. Uh, a team that uh, impressed many, especially defensively. Their shots against and their goals against has been very impressive all year long. And not only do they um, get a get a very responsible defensive player in Gadet, um, they also uh, kick it up a notch in net with the acquisition of Olivier Adam from uh, the Bay Motor Cars. So, I mean, we knew Sherbrooke was. Uh, in it to win it this year, so to speak, Jamie, but these, these two deals just kind of solidifies an already very solid team. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's pretty easy to tell, even though we're just a few days into the trade period, who the buyers are, who the sellers are like, there's mm-hmm. a pretty clear line over who's doing the deal and who's doing the buy and Sherbrooke's obviously doing the buy in along with uh, Quebec, uh, <laughs> Victoriaville uh, continues to surprise us. Halifax, mm-hmm. a little quieter, obviously they made the Lawrence deal. Um, earlier, but um, curious to see if they do add anything, um, mm-hmm. anything more anyway. Um, you know, and the Armada, boy, talk about a, a disappointing season. I think a lot of us expected them to be, you know, maybe top five, t- top half of the league at least heading into the year. And boy, it's really just gone completely off the rails. Yeah. And, you know, I guess if you can say anything for the Armada is, you know, credit to them for recognizing the situation, yeah. being very realistic about it, and just focusing on the years to come. You know, I was talking to Bruce Richardson uh, when the Armada were in town uh, here in Halifax uh, about two, three weeks ago, and, and that's his comment. Essentially, we, you know, we we want to develop the guys that we have or are going to have after the trade period. We want to focus on that side of things, um, and almost more or less get through this season yep. and focus on the next, you know, two, three, maybe even four years. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot. And, you know, we've seen it before uh, over the course of our time watching the league, this league, or at least I know I have where you see, you see teams trying to make kind of a half-hearted run for it. You can tell that, uh, you know, there's at least a couple of other teams that are most likely going to be, uh, a, you know, head and shoulders above them, but they still try and make the, uh, try and make the deals to make the run anyway. And more often than not, it just ends up being a total disaster. Yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, Jamie, you know, a great example of a team that was very cognizant of where they were uh, is one that you know very well. And that was the Sea Dogs back in the late aughts when they were supposed to go on, on a run in about 2009 or so. They realized they were behind the eight ball. They didn't quite have the horses to compete with the top teams in the league. They ended up trading a bunch, and they ended up uh, winning two two President's Cups, a Memorial Cup, and uh, and three uh, regular season titles out of it. So it, it, it takes a lot. There's a lot of conviction involved there. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, for the Armada this year, uh, at, at any rate, they, uh, uh, they get full credit for uh, understanding the situation and just going with it. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I definitely think they're they picked the right move. Um, and there's still some guys out there who haven't been traded yet who are still keeping an eye on. I think um, 
big ones are probably in Bathurst, uh, Riley Kidney and Jacob Melanson. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly a lot of attention on them. And then uh, the the big crew of guys in St. John who are still there for the Memorial Cup run, looking at uh, Cam McDonald, Peter Reynolds, Connor Trenholm, Nicola Hirchibis. Those guys are still available. And I would think at the right price uh, could be dealt. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot to go. Trade period uh, continues on uh, until just after the World Juniors, uh, January 6th, I believe, 7th. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, Jamie. Yep, January 6th. Um, yep, January 6th. Um, so we will see uh, what takes place uh, there. And, of course, you mentioned Jacob Melanson, uh, the uh, Q player of the week, the last one pre-holiday break, uh, six-point game against the Moncton Wildcats this past uh, week. So uh, congrats to him. Um, and, uh, of course, that game was a come-from-behind victory over the Moncton Wildcats. And why do I mention the Moncton Wildcats? Because uh, in a roundabout way, they are the source of, by God, we actually had a mailbag question this week. <laughs> Who would have thought? Wow. Wow. I thought those tweets just went into the uh, stratosphere and Elon was deleting them and nobody oh, was sending explain, us any questions. That would explain a lot, actually. Wouldn't it, though? Yeah. Wouldn't it? I mean, I can't see any other uh, rationale, really. <laughs> I mean, the legions of fans who have been uh, tuning yep. in every week Definitely. for these pearls of wisdom. But, um, nope, nonetheless, we, we managed to break through here. And um, first of all... Um, Uh, Thanks and a shout out to the boys on the Moncton Wildcast. So here's a little bit of cross promotion. The Algonquin may not sponsor us, but we will certainly put a, put a, our uh, name in for uh, another quality podcast uh, from the Quebec league. Uh, It's run by a couple of guys named Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. I've had known Jeremy for a number of years. I didn't tell him to send this question in, by the way, from Adam. (laughs) And their question was, which would you prefer the reverting to the one versus 16 playoff system in the queue or one versus 16, two versus 15, so on and so forth, or less divisional games and a more balanced Quebec maritime schedule. And the example that they give is uh, maritime teams would face, for example, Quebec based teams three times a year, as opposed to the two times that they do now, it would be two home, one on the road, and then it would rotate every second year and in that uh, in that fashion and uh, for people who aren't familiar the one to 16 playoff question uh, that was the playoff format for a number of years in the league now because of the conference system you play within your conference until you reach the third round and then there's crossovers and and, and everybody gets reseeded and uh, as a result, you know, if you're in a particularly strong conference, and if you're in the Western Conference this year, this could be you. Um, you you might have a theoretically tougher path to uh, reach the, the President Cup or the individual Couture Cup final. So, Jamie, let's get your take first. Well, if I had to pick one of these two options, I'd probably pick option two, just because I'm tired of seeing the same team. So for no forget, uh, <laughs> there's really no other logic than that. I'm but, sure the guys in the Wildcast are happy to hear it and <laughs> will never send us a question again. Thanks, bud. <laughs> but uh, I have a hard time answering these questions because I do not like the Q's playoff format as it is right now. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is I don't like that 16 of the 18 teams make the playoffs. I'm not a fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people don't agree with my take on this, but my take for years has been that I would like to see the first round completely eliminated. I'd like to see just eight teams in the playoffs um, and go three rounds there. Maybe have a play-in for the last few spots or something like that. 
Mm -hmm. um, but uh, kind of related to that, whether that format comes to about or not, I have a doubt. I doubt it will because people like playoff games. It seems. Um, mm -hmm. I would like to see more games. I would between the uh, Maritimes and the Quebec teams. And I know there's a lot of issues with that. There's a lot of logistics um, and a lot of financial uh, things at stake, uh, but I would like to see it more, at least at the minimum, I'd like to see something like um, uh, a better split of games for the Eastern Conference. So the Eastern Conference Quebec teams maybe play the Maritime teams four times instead of two times or something like that. What are your thoughts? That's actually a really good idea right there and it's not too far off you know it, it's hard to imagine you know i'll you know let me just dust off dust oh, off man. my Twice you know already. my days of yore here <laughs> but it's hard to believe once upon a time you know when in, and this isn't that far removed you know this was back when we when the league still had um halifax moncton and cape breton in the league you played at least four times a year you played Ramuski, you played Bakemo, you played all the way. I want to say you went as far west as Victoriaville. And when it was just Halifax and Moncton, it went as far as Shawinigan. So, I mean, it's not something that hasn't been done before. Um, I do agree with you. Um, I think if I'm a player, I like the one, if I'm a player, especially if I'm a player on a top seeded team, I like the one versus 16 idea a lot better. Yep. Uh, or if I'm a coach for that matter, it just creates theoretically an easier road to the, uh, to a deeper playoff run. Um, uh, it's still, and I will say this, this playoff format is still miles ahead of a playoff format that they had a few years ago, where you only play within your division in the first round. And, uh, the 2010 Moncton Wildcats can tell you all about that. So there you go, Adam and Jeremy, um, <laughs> They ended up facing they. I think they had let's say yeah. about 102 points in the regular season. They faced a Cape Breton team that had 90 points in the first round, a random a Ruin Randa team that won their division in round two, and a Drummondville team that had like 104 points in the third round. They didn't even have home ice after the second round because of the divisional alignments. Or after the first round, I should say, because of the divisional alignments. That was an awful playoffs round. Yep. So um, this is. A bit better, um, what what we're seeing right now, um, but still, I, I got to go with you on this one, Jamie. Um, having some sort of a better split on the Maritime versus Quebec uh, teams, uh, much like say treat the Eastern Conference the way they treated the old Frank Dilio Conference back in the day. Um, look it up on Google if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, where you played everyone in your conference at least four times, and maybe you play them more times a little bit more. Of course, I mean, that stands to reason, but maybe play them six times. Don't play them eight times. So find a balance there. And uh, yeah, you are right. Uh, financially, it's a tough thing to get your head around, but at the same time, if I am the Bacon Modricar, for example, and I have Jordan Dume coming to my ring twice a year instead of once a year, you know, maybe maybe there's a little more uh, appeal in going to that game. Or if mm -hmm. there's a big star in the Eastern Conference, the Quebec Ramparts right now, I'm pretty sure every team in the Maritimes would love to see the Quebec Ramparts twice this year as yeah. opposed to once. So um, I think it's it, – I'm, I'm with you. Definitely um, more of a, a balanced schedule during the regular season. Um, but 
it's not as obvious of a guess in my mind as as what you would originally think. Um, that one versus 16 playoff uh, format has a lot of benefits to the individual teams, players, coaches themselves. So thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Adam. And if you have a question about anything and everything, what do you think of Joe Corto's uh, reign uh, in his time in the league? Um, trades that you'd like to see, trades that you may uh, have hoped uh, would have taken place. Keep in mind, we will not be broadcasting for the next two weeks. We will be back the week of January the 9th. So there's plenty of time for you to think up some questions, send them in to us. Our Twitter handles are at station underscore nation for Jamie. And I am at Will McRider. That's M-A-C, Will McRider. Send us your thoughts. Send us your questions. Send us your criticisms. We'll take anything. <laughs> we'll read NHL, those on air too. We'll Chris. read them. We we this will be yeah this will be the uh, pared down version of mean tweets. Yes. <laughs> NHL team profile uh, time. We're going to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets, Jamie. Which means that we're going to talk about a guy that we basically talked about every single week, <laughs> all season long. Of course, amongst the draft of players in the queue from the Blue Jackets, Jordan Dumay, who um, had a brief stint at Team Canada's camp. Did not make it, which is, again, a testament to the quality of team that uh, Canada will be fielding at this year's event. Um, but also uh, another guy, James Malatesta, up in Quebec, um, sort of maybe gets lost in the depth of that team sometimes. Um, but a solid goal scorer, pure sniper up in Quebec. Uh, and uh, a guy who's no longer in the queue but is drafted by the Blue Jackets. I just wanted to mention this guy, Ben Boyd. Uh, he spent uh, a couple years with the Charlottetown Islanders, uh, three years, if I'm not mistaken. He was uh, he battled some injuries. He was drafted in 2021 by the Blue Jackets. He's actually playing U sports hockey right now with the St. Mary's University Huskies as well. So uh, definitely a shout out to Ben as he continues on his uh, education. And, uh, you know, uh, for as much as we've talked about Dumais and as talented as Malatest is, you know, not to spend a lot of time on Ben Boyd, but, you know, that takes a lot, Jamie to be an NHL drafted player and, and have the cognizance to go the youth sports route. Yeah, definitely a odd situation. And, you know, shout out to him for, for going through with it. Um, and, you know, we talk about potential playoff scenarios. This is something that I've thought about for, for decades now is, is <laughs> at, what, at what point are we going to have an elite talent opt to play Canadian university hockey? Um, mm -hmm. over junior hockey you know, you know there's nothing stopping these guys as far as i know that you know they play junior a or something like that then you just go play uh up the road at unb or upei or at one of the halifax schools um maybe get nhl attention that way obviously mm -hmm. um would be an interesting route and i think making a youth sports team as as an 18 year old uh would be challenging but it's possible mm -hmm. Um, and if you think you can't go from youth sports to the NHL, talk to Jody Shelley, talk to PJ Stock, talk to Joel Ward. It can happen. And those are just three from the Maritimes. Yep. We're not even expanding into, into uh, Ontario and out west and some of the strong programs out there as well. It's a distinct possibility. So in the case of Ben Boyd, just because he's not playing in the queue certainly doesn't mean that there's not pro potential still for him if he chooses to go in that direction and certainly uh, a lot of other people, as you said, Jamie, you know, uh, it's not, you know, they don't look at it as the end of the line, the UNB Reds, another perfect example. They've sent tons of players to, to the, uh, to the pros. Um, and uh, actually uh, in, in saying that 
Um, I think there might be a guy here, Jamie. Correct me if I'm wrong. My notes are half-baked here. Um, but there might be a guy who we're about to talk to I thought might have spent a little bit of time in university, maybe with UNB. Uh, first of all, there's Brett Gallant, who is a veteran with the AHL Cleveland Monsters, um, former Sea Dog, And another former Sea Dog, Olivier LeBlanc, defenseman. Um, he last played in the queue in 2017 and is currently in the ECHL for Kal- Kalamazoo Wings. Yep, and LeBlanc did play in uh, University Hawk, did play quite a few years at UMB. Um, played in one of the, I believe he played one of the greatest games I've ever seen, the, the semifinal of nationals at UMB between UMB and Santa Fe. It's one of the, one of the craziest uh, games I've ever seen live. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Brett Gallant. I mean, I think Brett Gallant, I think it's safe to say that he's kind of the last generation of the Brett Gallant type of players, one of the, the true enforcers. And I think him... I would assume he's probably nearing the end of, of the road of his career. Um, he's mm-hmm. nearing 500 AHL career games, which is pretty wild. Um, but I think it's safe to say we probably won't see players like Brett Gallant um, coming up through the system anymore. No, Brett Gallant is the kind of guy that I remember watching in the AHL. And, you know, you think it's bad enough I'm dusting off my, you know, 1990s lexicon. Let's go back to the 80s for a while. In the early 90s with the Moncton Hawks and the Golden Flames. Like oh, those guys... The, those guys troops around quite a bit. It was at the HL was a veteran league. Guys were going up and down all the time. It was less of a development league. And a Brett, a Brett Gallant back then would not have stood out at all. He would have been one of many on a single team. Um, so, yeah, very safe to say that uh, uh, he's kind of the last of a dying uh, dying breed in that uh, regard. And an original Sea Dog back from the old 20, uh, 2005 uh, team as well. Uh, in the NHL, uh, two guys, and I kind of say that hesitantly um, for reasons we'll get into, Matthew Olivier, uh, who has managed to carve out a- an NHL career uh, that has been kind of amazing. He's probably the, one of the better examples of what hard work can get you. It's not just cliche. Um, he came into the uh, queue, played for Moncton, Shawinigan, and Sherbrooke. And if you told me watching him at 16 in Moncton back in 2013 that this guy was going to be in the NHL, no disrespect to Matthew Olivier. He wouldn't have been the first name I would have thought of, for sure. And um, he has uh, carved out a very good uh, uh, career in the NHL with both the Blue Jackets and Nashville. And why I'm hesitant to say it's two players, because, of course, Jacob Voracek, um, who was a star with Halifax Mooseheads uh, about 15 years or so ago. He's out long-term with concussion. We're not really sure whether or not he's ever going to make it back to uh, pro hockey. Uh, hopefully he does because he is one of the most entertaining guys and well-liked guys in the NHL. But uh, those are the guys who are representing the queue in the NHL with Columbus. Yeah, and yeah, I agree with you on Olivier. Uh, Olivier, um, you know, you look back on his Q career, um, Definitely a guy who didn't wasn't really a big star in the queue. Didn't was kind of always uh, in the shadows. But definitely surprising to see him go on and have such a successful career so far. No, for sure, for sure. And we're gonna roll with that right into the twenty twenty three draft prospect of the week. It's Alexi Bork. Uh, he's a right winger with the Blainville Bobriand Armada. And um, why this guy in particular interests me, Jamie, ties back into what we were talking about earlier in the show uh, with what Blaineville is doing with their roster. Uh, essentially, you know, they're going complete youth movement. Obviously, the build is on. And this guy's going to be a big part of it. 
he was drafted in the first round last year, seventh overall pick by the Armada back in 2021. Um, not quite putting up the points that he did last year, but then again, you know, he's in a very tough situation in Blaineville to begin with. He's a C-ranked prospect, but I think one of the most intriguing things about this guy, Jamie, is what his role is going to be once the league reconvenes here uh, in about a week and a half. Yeah, and you know, on the show the past few weeks, we've talked about guys who are probably going to see their stock increase because they play on really good teams. Um, and I think Bork's kind of the opposite, maybe. He's the guy who maybe is suffering a little bit by playing on such a weak team. Um, but with a lot of um, Yaramata's key forwards being dealt, he's obviously going to have a significantly uh, bigger role, going to get way more ice time. Uh, so we'll see what he can do. I think, like you said, I think he's had a bit of an underwhelming season so far, so I'm curious to see maybe with a bigger role um, he can produce those numbers a little bit. He's on pace for fewer points this year than he did have last year. Um, split last year between the Armada and uh, the under-18 team with Gatineau. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see if his numbers pick up um, or if maybe he'll, you know, hopefully not for him. Uh, maybe he'll struggle a little bit more, but uh, hopefully that doesn't happen for him and his stock and we'll see that rise. Well, one of, one of the positives that he does have going for him, uh, you know, he plays for a Montreal-based Q team, lots of scouts in the region who will be taking a, a closer look at him. And, you know, as we've alluded to, Jamie, he will have that elevated role. He will be thrust in the, into the spotlight basically by design um, in, the, uh, in the latter half of this season. And, you know, hopefully for his sake, uh, he can make something work. So with that being said... Um, we are off for two weeks. Um, we do not, we have the world juniors to look forward to. Obviously we have, um, trade period still continuing on. There's a lot going on here and there's going to be a long period of time for us to sort of decipher this. So first of all, I'll remind everybody who's listening. If you have any comments, if you have any questions, if you have any criticisms, whatever it is, again, reach into the you reach into the old Twitterverse and send us a message at station underscore nation or at Will McWriter. That's M-A-C-W-R-I-T-E-R. And send us what you can. And keep in mind, it will if you do send us anything, it will not be discussed until the week of January 9th. So maybe let all this stuff blow over and see what controversy arises between now and then. Then make your comment. Then we'll talk about it on here. Uh, but for you, Jamie, um, it may be hard to pare down to just a couple of things, but uh, what are you most looking forward to here in the next uh, couple of weeks? Oh, well, obviously looking forward to the World Juniors, uh, having them so close to home. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be fun to watch those, uh, see some of that in person. Um, then the trade period too, just to see what happens and obviously being a little biased here with the covering the sea dogs, curious to see what they do. Um, it's kind of an interesting time because, you know, a lot of, a lot of years there's some of these big names and you kind of know where they're going to go and what the return is going to be. But at this point it's still a mystery. So, um, that's a little bit of fun. Um, uh, but like a true maritimer, I will be sticking around, um, and dealing with the winter. Uh, I just love the the cold weather, and I can't believe anyone would want to leave this um, at all. Right, Will? Yeah, no. Anybody who wants to leave this beautiful maritime climate uh, during a historic hockey event, 
the Christmas season upon us yep. has got to be just uh, their priorities are so out of whack. Yep. Who really wants to talk about it? So yep. when I get on a plane to Jamaica <laughs> on Friday morning, I will be thinking of all of you. And uh, when my toes are in the sand and, you know, it's, you know, when I'm sitting on the beach with a drink in hand, uh, you know, my thoughts will be with all of you as you uh, enjoy all that winter in the Maritimes has to offer. It's great. Don't forget your shovels and your salt and, um, you know, make the most of it. Make the most of what's already a super great situation, folks. And, uh, oh, and, and that's um, all I get to say about that. Yes, I will be uh, down south for about 10 days. I'll be back uh, in Halifax in time for relegation round and uh, playoff round. But the, uh, relegation only. Sports. Will's only going to the relegation game. I'm a relegation sort of guy, Jamie, <laughs> you know? Um, I hate you say that. start time. Say that. But, but you know what? Uh, when you Sometimes it does wind up being some of the more entertaining yep. games at that, at that stage of the tournament. You know, you're literally fighting for your life in the tournament as, as opposed to going down to Division One. Things revert back to normal this year. There is there, there is relegation again. So I am you know, legitimately looking forward to uh, to that side of things, along with the medal round and you know the history that will unfold in our own backyard uh, this Christmas season. And speaking of the holiday season, we want to wish all of our listeners the very best. Stay safe, stay healthy, have tons of fun, and we will see you in 2023. Happy holidays, Jamie. Happy holidays to you as well, Will. And happy holidays as well to our excellent producer behind the scenes, Connor Somerville. And we will see you all back here the week of January 9th. For Jamie Tozer, I'm Will McLaren. This is the Hockey News on the Cube brought to you by BetMGM. Thank you once again, and we'll see you next year.